All right, lady, what is this? Hey, everybody, and welcome to Show and Tell. We're back, the OG hosts. Thank you, of course, to Liz and Maker Melissa and JP and Noam Pedro, whoever has been uh, doing the show and tells. I can't actually remember from day to day, uh, but thank you. Uh, but we're back uh, showing off, uh, hosting the biggest online show off next 30 minutes. People from around the world are going to come by and show off their 3D printing, their code, their Halloween costumes or synthesizers and more. You're making it, you're using it, you're doing something creative with it. Come on by. We're here in... Uh, StreamYard. We're also on Discord. Let's kick it off with some Adafruit folks. Maker Melissa. Melissa. Hey, what have Melissa. you been up to? Hi. Nice cat. Uh, thanks. So uh, I've been working on continuing to update the Qualia S3 guide. And uh, one of the things I was doing is I was creating, uh, adding pages for the touch screen. And this is a little paint demo I made using CircuitPython and Display.io uh, just to make use of it. So uh, when you start it off, it just kind of starts with white, but you can go ahead and choose different colors here to draw. And depending on how close to the edge, it will uh, adjust the brightness. So you can kind of go something a little darker if you want. Um, so, so if I wanted to do something a little bit more gray, then I would just choose in the middle where it's a little darker. But if I wanted it closer to white, then I would just choose right on the edge there. So just a little demo. Um, it works really well because when it draws this little color palette on here, it uses the, a bitmap. So it can just go and grab what that color is when you touch it. So it's really well. Nice. All right, this is cool. Like we've been, you know, you've been slowly but surely building out this guide. Um, it's historically been very hard to use these big displays, round, square, you know, uh, TTL displays, but you're making it like trivial. You're making it too Easy, too easy. Well, Jeff, to, yeah, Jeff actually did a lot of the hard work, so that helped. Okay, well, but you're documenting it. That's true. He went off. He went off on vacation. <laughs> um, he appreciates it. All right. Yeah, this will be neat. We'll have all of our displays in soon. You'll be able to uh, get up and running fast. We're working on some like eyeball stuff. Um, we have a bunch of cool things and demos. So stay tuned, and thanks for working on these, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks. All right, next up, Scott, what you got going on? Hello, I'm pushing my code <laughs> while I'm waiting. Uh, I'm, I've been doing some Scilab stuff. Um, so Scilabs, they came to you and they uh, were interested in doing CircuitPython. So they, they added CircuitPython support uh, yeah. for their MG24 series of chips, which is super cool. I uh, love to see uh, chip manufacturers adding support to CircuitPython. And uh, I'm helping them out. Uh, they're giving a tech talk next week, I think. I'll put a link in the Discord once I find it. Um, but they've got these cool dev boards. Here's one. And uh, one thing that's neat is that uh, they don't have native USB, which is a bummer. But the USB is to a, a J-Link chip. So it's super easy to debug them, which is nice. Um, and here you can see the LED uh, blinks here that uh, CircuitPython is running. I can't show you CircuitPython Drive, obviously. Um, but CircuitPython is running on here. You can use Thani to use it. Uh, and I'll drop a link for the tech talk. Uh, I'm doing a piece of it, given the CircuitPython background, and they're going to go into more details about what that means on the Scilabs chip. So uh, check that out if you're interested. Uh, they support BLEIO, but not the workflow. So I'm going to talk to them about that as well. Mm. All right. I'm impressed that they Oop. did BLEIO. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and even in their slides, uh, 
preview, they <laughs> they they call out that like it's a uh, cross-platform BLE stuff, which is cool. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you, Scott. And uh, great news for people who want to use Scilabs chips and CircuitPython. And then this week, yeah. um, people can tune in 3 p.m. Pacific. Yep. 5 p.m. Not 3 p.m. Pacific. 2 Sorry, p.m. 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Oh, it's time. It's time zones. Yeah, what time? I know. Yeah, we're going to do metric time. Uh, oh, we're in front of the universe. You can two, have one time zone. 2 p.m. Right. Um, Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Uh, we can join in for some deep dive. What are you going to talk about this week, you think? Oh, well, we finished the MicroPython 120 merge, so we might cover, cover that. Um, but I've been changing some display I.O. stuff. I'm sure I'll show that as well. Um, and then maybe some more 121 merge work that Dan started but hasn't finished yet. So um, something in that vein, I guess. <laughs> so we'll see how far I get by Friday. Okay, cool. Well, we'll see you then. And thanks for coming by tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, next up, JP, what you got going on? Hey, a couple things. So I just uh, published the guide for this um, Lego glove thing here. I'll, I'll cover that other thing for a second so you can see it. So here is my uh, color sensor, feather, and speaker. And uh, thanks to C. Grover, Cedar Grove Maker, who helped out with some uh, updates. We got it working even faster. So this is sensing the colors of some different Lego bricks, and it is using those to trigger different pitches in a synthio synthesizer that does some chime-like uh, tubular bell modeling stuff for overtones. So uh, I just grabbed some of the bricks. I have 12 that I differentiate in code that work really well. Um, and you can see if I, if I uh, point at these bricks, you'll hear different little sort of arpeggios play. So it's gotten really pretty responsive, uh, which I love. Uh, the learn guide is out. So if you want to build this or if you want to use this as a leaping off point for some other um, color picker project or uh, maybe sort your Legos without having to look at them, I don't know. Um, I know that actually uh, some people who have uh, different types of color blindness don't see some of these bricks as different from each other. And you can use something like this to differentiate, which is kind of interesting. Um, so go check out that learn guide. It's out. Uh, and then I also want to give a little teaser here and a little Halloween related thing. Uh, you can see I've got a little scene here. Lego just uh, started giving out with your order. Uh, if you spend enough, they give these little themed um, accessory kits and they, they gave a bunch of these little uh, Halloween and autumn things. I had the ghost already, but pretty much the rest of this was from this uh, little set. So I put together a little scene here and we sell, I actually don't have any that you can see, but if you look at these little skinny, skinny wires here, I have little SMD LEDs. We sell these uh, five packs and they have a tiny little SMD LED in different colors with a couple wires pre-soldered to them. So you don't have to do it yourself. Um, I want to do some Lego lighting with these. So I was testing it out on this. I'm going to go ahead and drop the exposure on my camera so you can see a little better. Uh, so I have a little flame there. You can see it has a, a nice little little glow to it. Uh, and then I also have my ghost here. I put a LED in his face uh, and I'm using a PWM uh, with an, uh, a potentiometer to say, okay, how bright should this be? Um, so you can imagine we could do flickering effects, especially with a PWM. We could do some really nice stuff, um, set these on timers, set them to be reactive. Uh, it's kind of up to you. And uh, I thought it would be kind of neat to, to play around with this and maybe do a guide on uh, one of the holiday village sets that I have and do some nice lighting up for that. So 
Uh, that is uh, so cool. Really, cool, really cool little LED. In fact, now that I've demoed it, I'll pluck one out so you can see uh, what we're dealing with. There is the raw LED right there. Oh, it's so tiny. It's just so tiny. Um, these are, we used to deal with like these grain of rice incandescent bulbs for like trying to do oh, yeah. stuff. Um, they're all right, but these or, are were like they would, you know, they would burn out so quickly. They were only yeah. good for a few hours. Yeah, these are um, an incredible step up. And the fact that we can do digital control with a microcontroller on them means that you've uh, you've got a lot of options. And this is, by the way, all unmodified Lego stuff other than I pulled the ghost's head off. He had a head in there, but I just uh, put one of these up inside of his uh, his sheets there. Sorry for getting a little personal with him. And then this is uh, same thing. All of those have holes in them, so you can slide these tiny, tiny wires through without uh, needing to modify anything. Good, good use of the you know the mechatronic uh, Lego pieces to like get the wires through. Because I was like, what well, yeah. put that in there? Yeah. Um, yeah. Welcome to Lego R and D uh, video chat. So one, <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting because I was going to say for the other part of your show and tell um, the color synth. I'm really surprised that Lego doesn't have something like that, like a little wireless glove for young people, and they would like, you know, build something with bricks, yeah. and, you know, move their hand over it, and it would be attached to like an iPhone or whatever or whatever device or even a computer. Um, that seems something like, you know, right up uh, Lego's brick alley. Um, and then the other thing you just showed, which is being able to um, make pretty advanced uh, lighting and 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 more. Um, side note, and we'll just move on to next show and tell because this is probably a longer thing is so once in a while there's different groups in lego and it seems like they have different people doing different things and they have their own research groups and creative groups whatever we'll get asked to sign an nda and we usually have to say no because right. it's for like 20 years heat death of the universe and <laughs> and the reason why that we, we always say we can is like hey we're always kind of doing lego related things like modifying stuff or doing things with it and we wouldn't want them to say oh here's our new product line and then us ah, not do projects right so we don't know anything that lego is doing which is great but i i do think they get really good ideas from the maker community mm -hmm. and the data for community because this is kind of like cutting edge we have those wireless leds inside lego yeah. so awesome. you know, just look for, for lego on our site if you're interested in um kind of upgrading your your lego sets but in case anyone's wondering because once in a while we get asked it's like hey you should do something with lego it's like yeah we'd like to but they, we, we probably wouldn't be able to, or if we did our fun. Yeah, which I get. So we just decided, like, we'll just, you just, we, we do open source stuff. Just go look at our work and. Well, you know, I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate you doing that because I love doing little Lego projects, and I would hate to. Yeah, because if we knew anything that was coming up, we'd have to be like, "Hey, JP, we can't really, you know, right. do about this because they told us and whatever." And so he's like the biggest, like anything with electronics and Lego. Yeah. And it's like, man. Yeah. Like <laughs> system or method of yeah, any, any method yeah. of bricks and electrons. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so, so folks know some of the stuff we do and don't do behind the scenes here. Okay. Thanks, JP. Thanks, JP. See you on your show this week. Okay. Okay, Pedro, what you got going on? Hey guys. So this morning on 3D Hats, we released the um, another prop. It is the Faz Wrench from the video game Five Nights at Freddy. They have a movie coming out next Friday, I believe. I gotta go take yeah. the kids to go see that because they've been begging for this thing. This was uh, Gavin's idea. He's been wanting this for a while. And I forget what triggered me to actually build it. I think it's having the Stemma LCD backpack. 
um, yeah. definitely helped because everything is so like modular now. Like I even put um, like the headers on here so I could take it off. So when the kids do break it, that's how I have to design everything now, making it so where it can be all disassembled and replaced and everything. So uh, Prop Maker RP2040 on there has handling all of the um, driving the, the, the screen, the sound effects. We have a rotary encoder here that I turned into like a thumb button. And then you have your two LED buttons that'll get you into the two modes. Um, this is like a, like one of the main tools that you use in the game to like mm -hmm. unlock doors and things like that. So you go like in the door unlock mode and like disable the nodes, I think is what they call it. And then go into like the puzzle mode. And that's using the accelerometer to like change through different sound effects as you're uh, turning it. I think you like turn to like do complete puzzles like uh, like a maze. I'm, I'm looking up an image of it because um, I, like, I was like, what does it actually look like? And he's like, it's a spinning image. Yeah, yeah, I try to get it as close as possible. So it's not only a uh, prop case, but the most important thing that I wanted is to be a useful case. So it's real antennas. You can, you know, get a Laura uh, feather, hook it up, do like yeah. actual wired projects. You just, you know, we have UFL connectors on most of the feathers. Um, the These aren't real LEDs. It's just a side-lit NeoPixel strip. So it's super like compartmentalized where it's all yeah. like component assemblies. And one of the things I'm proud mm -hmm. of out of is the way that I did the um, just the rotary encoder. It's just mounted on the side with this little guy here. That oh, like, that's nice. But that's like a tough. Yeah, like a thumb wheel is a tough uh, thing, and it has yeah. good. You know, it feels like you feel the detent. So it's like a. It's not like a fake. Like if it was like a prop that you would buy, it would just be like a spinning thing. It wouldn't. It wouldn't even feel real. Yeah, when I was looking at the photos, like um, one of the complaints from Gavin was like, oh, the scroll wheel is supposed to be like bigger. But I'm like, dude, if that happens, it's going to pop out of the back. So yeah, I mean, like gotta... it's easy when it's 3D rendered, right? You know, exactly. Yeah. So it, it it checks off all the boxes. It's CircuitPython. It's 3D printing, all the design stuff there, the, the Adafruit GitHub, the Adafruit um, Fritzing uh, GitHub, the um, all the libraries that come with it, you know, the component bundle, it all comes together. Okay, and then cool. some of the other check boxes, like this is something that your kid wanted that you can now play with. He's, are, you, know, are you a cool guy now? Does it, is this, <laughs> did you, are you finally cool? Like, I mean. I think so. That's, okay. that's the other checkbox. Yeah. Like but now it's like, oh, maybe your job's kind of like kind of fun. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like every single checkbox. Only took 10 years. Okay. <laughs> <checks> off. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just have to all keep right. whatever the next thing that you want. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah, go check it out. It's all free. You can, uh, like I said, reuse all the components, the case especially. Um, it's all step files. So you can edit everything, change out all the components, and get all the files for building your own. Super all nice. right. Thanks so much, Pedro. We'll be playing some of these videos and more tonight on Ask Engineer. Congratulations well, on achieving Cool Dad. Cool Dad's house. <laughs> for now. All right. <laughs> for this week. No, hey, what you got going on? Hey folks, uh, yeah, we're we're we've been on a tear with these prop maker projects. So last week we uh, we collabed with Phil B to remake his HAL 9000 project. Uh, so instead of doing the laser cut, Phil thought it'd be a good idea to 3D print the whole thing. Uh, so we got the prop maker in the back here with uh, one of the enclosed speakers and the massive 100 millimeter button. So you can press the button. Printing resend ratio 02,225.1K. That was a weird one. Let me see if I could get a better one. I'm sorry, Dave. I don't have enough information. There you go. 
that, that was a better yeah. one. We're doing that so we don't get in trouble for publishing. Yeah, that's the copyrighted. Preface it, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, sure would, I'm sure it'd be fine. We can get away with it, but like we also just showed how you can make your own. So, anyways. Oh, use any audio clips you want. That's yeah. the great thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like, you can okay. grab all these audio clips online if you want. We just yeah. don't want to. We don't want to put them on our servers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So those the audio recording is is through the Mac OS uh, text to speech. And there's a lot of AI tools. I think Phil B was looking at some of them that actually have Hal's voice that's been like audio, yeah. auto generated. So you can you can get those if you want, but we're not allowed to distribute those. But anyway, um, it's all 3D printed. Um, it's, it's bolted together with a couple screws. And what I really like about it is it's there's really no soldering. Um, these quick connects quickly connect, you know, to the terminals on the buttons and the LEDs, and everything just gets uh, screw block terminaled. Uh, so it's it's really easy to put it together. Um, yeah, even the label is 3D printed instead of having it like printed out on a yeah. 3D printer. Like you just do the layer swap thing to get the multiple colors. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a fun one. Um, the kids like it too, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, page you build one for, uh, for I wonder kids. if everyone's going to start revisiting all the like AI takes over or whatever because ChatGPT and all the AI stuff. I haven't really mm -hmm. seen. You know, there hasn't really been, I think it's just like generational or something. There hasn't been like, this is just like Hell 9000. Like no one's really talking about that. There's also like the Forbin Project, which is like a really old weird movie that everyone should watch. Yeah, you made me watch that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. i check that one out. I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard of that one. It's great because at some point the AI is telling the inventor, it's like, you need a drink and you need to just like make more robot stuff. Anyways. Yeah, it was like very 60s. It was like, <laughs> okay. you yeah. must have alcoholic drink to yeah, relax. There, there, there's a very in-depth review of this movie on Adafruit's blog. It's a lot of out. smoking. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, thanks so much, Zoe. Yeah, for sure. No problem. We'll be, we'll be playing uh, some of the videos from 3D Hangouts tonight. Excellent. Engineer. All right. Um, next up, we're going to go to Seth and then Zach and then Joey. Seth, how's it going? Hey, everybody. Uh, so, uh, Kind of riding on the the cool dad uh, vibes, so right. I've been working on a little little mini Game Boy kind of emulator thing, and uh, uh, I, I kind of got the inspiration when you made the little Doom player with the ESP32 uh, S2, I think last year, yeah. um, and so I had kind of shelved it for a little bit, and I was like, you know, I'm trying to find something fun to do for Christmas presents this year, so um, I'm working on this little Game Boy. And so I, I've come up with a little menu so I can load like a bunch of different games on it. So like right now I just have like a little cow chasing game, as you can see. Just mm -hmm. uh, and so it's just a little menu, but uh, anyway, you can basically you just like chase the cow around. And I made like little sprites that you can like try to uh, to try to make it a little bit more fun. Um, and all this using Circuit Python and and everything. And so I thought it was pretty you know, pretty cool to show that you like you can. You can just like open up Microsoft Paint, make some, make some sprites, code up on Circuit Python, and and make yourself a little, a little miniature Game Boy. Um, and so it actually ended up being you know, like surprisingly simple. Uh, but I mean, honestly, the thing that took me the longest was designing this little uh, 3D printed case for this. Um, and this one I had to make a little bit bigger because I, I made the classic mistake of accidentally swapping the polarity on the uh, battery connector. So it's a little bit taller because the battery cable has to go up around the top. But um, overall, uh, you know, it, it came out great. And the, the next version is going to be even even smaller. And now I've even got plans for making a, an even bigger one. Um, and so this was actually in the uh, this week's 
the circuit python or the adafruit daily i guess whatever comes out on on the circuit python newsletter yeah. so uh there's a link to the github repo um i finally got the uh the design files back in i accidentally overwrote my schematic file and had to rebuild the schematic uh, uh good practice yeah yeah exactly <laughs> very sad um, so the the, the 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 chasing cows game is up there um and uh, I've, I've got more more planned uh to come along too so the, the esp32 can they can play a lot sure i was just um we were talking about we wanted we have a little tiny kid so you know those board books that are kind of like stiff and they have yeah. that the kids can look at but you can do custom ones and we're like oh we'll get pictures that we know she likes and we'll do a custom board book but the you know the modern parents now could do things like oh, i'm gonna make my kid a custom uh game player with, yeah that i make games that they make and it's like it's, you can get a little glimpse of the future about what people are making now five ten years from now it'll be even easier but you're able to send off these files you can um do something very easy drag and drop images and now you've got a game player so i think that's going to be the future is as as kids start playing video games there's always like oh kids are never going to learn how to make something well they'll be able to make their own games and this is a, a probably a good a good glimpse of uh future future kids being able to do stuff like that oh yeah i 100 agree my uh my son saw it and he was like wow you should sell this in stores like the amount of confidence and excitement he has about it is just like wow, that's, <laughs> that's cool that, that's more than enough to continue that's trying to make more yeah get have yeah. them sell them at school and you know you know kids would sell candy in school you could sell little video games yeah exactly he he would he would he would show all his friends that's cool all right well thanks so much keep coming back to the show and tell them thanks for sharing that and i'm glad we were able to put it in the newsletter this week yeah thanks all right next up we're gonna go to zach hello zach what you got going on sound check good yeah it's all, okay. right. all right uh hi there i'm a software engineer uh living in san francisco um i wanted to share with you um, an exciting new algorithm for the dot star family uh led strips it's gonna oh. unlock uh, high dynamic range and give you that extra five bits in the uh, brightness byte that's being sent out. Um, right. So before I get started, I just want to kind of show you a demo of what it looks like. Um, let's see if we can. There we go. Yeah. Weird. Weird that it got squished, but whatever. Um, yeah, we can see it. Okay. Yeah. So what you see is uh, there are high highs and low lows. Oh, yeah. The lows got a lot lower. Yeah. I want to talk about how I did that a little bit. Um, it's called a bit shifting algorithm is what I call it. Uh, this is currently in review for fast LED. Um, and uh, what it does is essentially gamma corrects the LED in driver space. So your um, input buffer can remain RGB 888. Mm -hmm. It's going to map it to uh, 8885. Um, and we have this smooth power curve all the way up, uh, all the way down to 255. Um, the way that it works is, uh, you know, let's say we've got uh, R, G, B, and then power. So let's say that R, uh, green and blue are all um, one, and then our power is going to be 31, which is uh, to the fifth and all the bits flip to one. Uh, we can all agree that this is actually equi equivalent. Okay. Um, well, 
we're, we're going to bit shift that to 15, but let's just say this is almost equivalent. Yeah, one, one bit doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. One bit doesn't matter. Well, actually, it does matter once it gets down to the low bits. But if we bit shift this to the right, we can bit shift everything to the left. Um, essentially, that's the way that, uh, that I did it. But uh, to get all those bits, the, the algorithm got a little bit more complicated. Mm. So anyways, um, as far as I know, this hasn't been done before. Um, and I'm excited to get this into FastLED. And I hope that you guys find some value um, in this. Hope it gets integrated into your library. Um, you can find it in um, right here, FastLED. The issue is 1545. Cool. This is very cool. Just to clarify, though, because I, I thought people are going to ask, you don't get the full dynamic range if some LEDs are very dim and some LEDs are very bright. It normalizes over the entire LED brightness. No, it's a, it's a per yeah, it's a per pixel. So basically, what it does is it gamma corrects the LED and brings it into sixteen bit space, and then does its bit shifting, gets the brightness, and then both the color and the brightness. Well, the colors convert it back into eight bit with a with the five bit brightness, and then that's all written out to the LEDs. Okay, cool. All right, sweet. All right, so, this is neat. So you um, get you're getting like so many more bits. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm already using it in my projects. Okay, cool. Drop me a note when the if the if and when the pull request will get added. But drop me a PT data fruit and we'll add it to our like newsletters or whatever, so folks can try it out. A lot of folks use fast LED with our stuff, so they'll probably have some projects. That's the best part is you'll start to see people do neat stuff with it. And I think I don't know, but I think this is the first time there's been like a world premiere of an algo. Huh. <laughs> it's like dropping an album or something like. That. <laughs> if, if you're having trouble getting it merged into FastLED, because I actually don't know if FastLED is still being maintained, um, feel free to do a PR against DotStar. Just create a new um, subclass called DotStar underscore HD or something that will take in that, you know, that will do that extra work. So people can use the original um, without your algorithm coming in because some people are using very slow microcontrollers. They don't want to add this gamma correction, but then they can use the subclass, you know, DotStar HD. Um, and it will add that um, automatic gamma correction. So, I mean, facility is totally cool if you if you get it added there. Um, I just don't know if they're, I know that it's sometimes been challenging um, because there's no maintainer anymore. Yeah, that's correct. It is going slowly. Hopefully we'll get in. Um, the great thing about my algorithm is it's not really tied to anything related to fast LED. Um, you're basically putting in bytes and getting out new bytes. Yeah. So, Okay. Okay. Well, you got another. Uh, you got another option, and you know, if you if you want to see it, get out there. And then, uh, thanks for coming by and debuting an algorithm. Um, yeah. I hope this is now a trend. Well, this is basically like Shark <laughs> Tank, but for LEDs. Yeah, that's so. a good algorithm. It's a really. I'll good. invest in that. I, I like the maths on that. Okay. okay. Thanks All right, so much, thanks, Zach. Zach. Thank you. Bye. Okay. I'll All right. Joey, hey, Joey, I haven't seen you. Good to see you. Hey, how's it going? Well, Joey just sent me an email, and I have it in draft. Oh. Um, there was a cool project that. Uh, Joey, I mean, I'm, I'm going to get back to you uh, okay. shortly, but good to see you. Haven't seen you in a bit. What are you up to? Good to see you. Actually, I was going to show off a bit of that project, I think, that I emailed you about. Hey, okay, um, cool. People get so to see Yeah, uh, let me stop. Uh, yeah, so is, am I sharing? Work yeah. yeah, there it is. Cool. That's cool. the project. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, I worked on this with my buddy, Zach. He's a sculptor. And uh, yeah, effectively, uh, this is the A-Train Sea Serpent, or Subway Sea Serpent. It is out uh, in the Rockaways at Beach 60th Street. <laughs> There's the kind of platform up above. And uh, the cool thing that I contributed to it is uh, it lights up. So uh, this is using oh. a lot of Adafruit uh, parts and a lot of Adafruit designs. And I a little, a little photo album, if you don't mind me going through really quick. No, go for uh, it. Yeah, go for it. Photos. So uh, oops, wrong one. There we go. So yeah, this is uh, 
my buddy Zach in the studio kind of uh, sculpting some of the some of the foam that goes into the little uh, we call them horseshoe crabs, little like kind of ground pieces of the subway serpent behind him. That's me. Um, so yeah, this is kind of the work in progress. And then uh, yeah, what makes it fun is these. Uh, this is like a Duratrans print of the A Train logo. Um, Missler. Yeah, no, we're, we're just okay. we're fascinated. No, this is, really, <laughs> this is so cool. What's neat is it's such a fixture in your life in New York City when you see it in this like fantastical way. It's like, oh yeah, it is like a subway serpent. It is like this thing that kind of can go in and out of water yeah, and everything. Right. This is cool. Zach also like the idea of like it jumped off of the tracks to make its way toward the beach, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so inside, uh, as many of my things are, it's a kind of a feather oriented build. Uh, which I love because if you start with Feather, you can kind of like add things on, even if they're custom things. So yeah. I have this like four channel uh, LED driver uh, using some MOSFETs to like pump some extra power through these white LEDs. And uh, my LCD Feather Wing, which is kind of a nice always on display uh, that I can set the brightness of each channel. Um, and so, yeah, here's that one of the solar panels uh, with uh, the work in progress lighting. And uh, yeah, it's a couple of weatherproof enclosures so we can have it apparently make it humid inside there because you know yeah. it's outdoors. Um, and then, yeah, the view from inside. Uh, oh yeah, I like this train with legs kind of uh, vibe with me inside of it. Um, and yeah, laser cutting the uh, emblem that goes on the side to kind of make it look right. And then yeah. this is the install where we kind of went out there to Beach 60th Street and Put it all together. Um, is this official art, or is this like? This is official art. Uh, okay. It's actually you can tell it's official because it has a sign and everything. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's got a sign. No, no, I didn't know. Uh, no, because you know, it's like people are like, oh, I just installed art, and it's like, well, go see it because it's about to be like taken away. But how how uh, long is it going to be there so people can check in, it out? In theory, indefinitely. Uh, it's it's uh, we we did stake it down on the ground, and um, yeah, I, I mean, it's got it's at least a year, so it'll be there when you go uh, to the to the okay. beach for next summer. Um, so, but yeah, so the, the, there it is with the real thing right above it, and uh, have fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Outstanding. Yeah, I love pop art. It's like not Warhol's, but it's like familiar things that are like logos or brands or like infrastructure, mm -hmm. and then turned into something like around here in Soho. There's like a park bench that's like it looks like someone took the Photoshop, you know, clone brush and just made like a bunch of benches, and it's a giant bench sculpture. Um, really neat to see um the the subway uh kind of come alive uh something yeah. very familiar very very cool project to work on and yeah like yeah, I'm, right on yes yeah, stoked to be stoked, stoked to have it out there and like yeah like people have been noticing it also i'm not sure i emailed you about it but adafruit got a little shout out in the uh, untapped article about it oh, so, thanks so thank much you. yeah i got it i'm buried in some email we'll get it up on the blog and everything as well and uh thanks for coming by good to see you Joe. Good to see you, Joey. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. That's our show and tell, jam-packed with lots of fun things. We'll see everybody next week, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. We do show and tell every single week, and people come together and share the things they make. Everyone makes something, turns out. So we'll see folks on Ask an Engineer in just a couple of minutes, and we'll see you next week on Show and Tell. Thanks for coming by, everybody. Bye, everybody. See you in a few.